How about we raise the bar in 2021 and go for being leaders of distinction? Welcome to Business Without Barriers, the show bringing you relevant strategies to thrive and succeed in a volatile world, and the show turning barriers into bridges by bringing humanity back to business. I'm your host, Carmen Wild, and opening up his success vault today is Oni Onyado. Oni is a multiple award-winning global leadership speaker, entrepreneur, business coach, and author. His latest book is The Doorway to Distinction, 200 quotes to inspire you to reach new levels of excellence. He delivers his message on how to become distinguished in your field via workshops, talks, coaching, and training sessions around the world. Ani moved from living the street life to being fondly referred to as Mr. Distinction and now challenges his community and his generation to maximize their full potential, reach new levels of excellence, and become a people of distinction. He's living proof that no matter what circumstances you were born into, you can break through the barriers to live a life of excellence. It's so awesome to have you on the show today. A very, very warm welcome to you, Ani. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you for having me and thank you for the uh, wonderful introduction too. Very much appreciated. It's a pleasure. And um, coming out of London today, um, I'm in Mauritius, Anya's in London. He looks like he should be in Mauritius. I look like yes. I should be in London. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I have to be in Mauritius. I have to. Shirt, um, green shirt, yellow shirt, pink shirt. I have to be. <laughs> we'll make it happen when, like you said, when the airways are open again. Yes. So talking about creating happy memories, if you were to scan your happiest moments in your life, if you were to just go over those, what stands out for you as the happiest memory? Which one pops to mind and describe the scene for us? Wow. Wow. Well, um, as you've answered the question, the first thing that came to my mind as you were speaking was um, when I was a young boy, I'm not sure how old I was, I was sitting in my dad's car in the driving seat and he was fixing something under the bonnet and I bibbed the horn and his head hit the um, bonnet and he looked at me. I thought he was going to be angry and he just started laughing and I started laughing and that's my, one of my most happiest memories because, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'll share with you later, but I didn't know my dad for like 25 years. So, you know, that was one of my happiest, interesting memories I had of him. And as you mentioned it, it just came to my heart now. Ah, it's interesting how the mind goes in search for something like that. Yes. And, and, and the assertion um, that, that trigger happens somehow and something like that pops to mind. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. We're living in one of the most disruptive and interesting and fascinating decades in human history. What excites you about this disruptive decade we're in? Yes, so many things in particular. Um, so from 2016, 17, 18, I began writing and speaking about creative distinction. Um, not in a million years, I knew that I've now called the 2020s the era of creative distinction. So for me, 
of course, this is one of the most interesting, disruptive, for some people scary, but certainly this is a, a decade of such um, delivering value-driven disruption, creative distinction on local, national, and global um, on platforms. So for me, this is the era of creative distinction. It's value-driven distinction, value-driven disruption, and you know, being being value-driven in every aspect. Mm. So, to take us a little bit into your mind, when you say creative distinction, yes. tell us a little bit about what you mean by that. Yeah. So, for example, when I first came in the industry, I promised myself two things. So, I'm a leadership, I'm a global leadership speaker. One, I would never call myself a motivational speaker. There's nothing wrong with that, but at the time in my community, there were so many motivational speakers saying the same thing. And two, I would never quote anyone, but rather I'd be continually quoted. So I said that I think maybe 2016, 17, no, 2014, 13, not knowing that now the world is looking for <clears throat> individuals, institutions, organizations that are bringing something new to the table, something cutting edge, something distinguished, something creative, something that's never been seen before or heard before, or something that has been seen before, but you're adding your own creative distinction to it. So for me, it's about creating and producing what someone hasn't created or produced before or what someone has created or produced before. You're putting your own distinctive um, solution and signature on it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, sort of a, a spiced up version of innovation. Yes. Yeah, most <laughs> definitely. And, and we've seen with the lockdown and coronavirus that we've got no choice now but to be creatively distinctive. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, and uh, I really like the term. So you spoke about disruption, and a number of years ago, you created your own disruption in your life by making what you refer to the breakthrough from detention to distinction, and that's where it all started for you. Tell us about the watershed moment when you realize, as per one of your quotes, if average is a poison, distinction is the remedy. <laughs> wow. I, I first penned that in, a, you're going way back to the future now. I penned that in, I think, 2012, 13. So just to hear it now, it's like, wow, that's, that's, a, that's a reference point. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think I've had many multi months, but I think for me, I realized that I'm called to be a voice. I'm called to be a blessing. I'm called to be a, a light, a solution. You know, I've lived a very interesting life from detention to distinction, the whole street life, you know, going to prison twice, six of my friends getting murdered, dropping out of university. But I just knew, you know, one of the greatest songs of all time by Labby Safi, something inside so strong. I knew in my Noah that there was something inside of me which was going to help humanity, bless humanity, change humanity, whatever you want to describe it. And so, yeah, so on the 2nd of November 2008, I became a born again Christian. And my journey started from there. I mean, I, uh, I always wanted to become a counsellor anyway, but then I went back to adult college, got some level one, level two counselling qualifications. And then it was just an evolution of my gifts, my talents and my passion. And literally it was full steam ahead. So I remember going back to adult college, which was hard after maybe 10 years of not being in education. And it was really difficult, but I just, I just wanted to become a counsellor, you know, and so I knew I had to go through the process. But then when I realised... I found out about life coaching and speaking. It was like, wow, okay, this is what I think I'm called to do. I and mean, it was just full steam ahead, even though sometimes the steam train collapsed anyway, but hey, fine, to part of our journey. You know, you've, you've skimmed through so much. I mean, you've taken so many 
very significant episodes in your life. <laughs> and and, and you, you steamrolled through all of those. So I want to go back because there's, there's something that's very distinctive about you and, and, and your, your absolute authenticity and your willingness to be so open is, 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 is so refreshing and it's what this world needs so much more of. You say you went to prison twice. Tell us about the, the conditions. You, so we could also have a picture of the turnaround that you've experienced in your life to be able to bring this message of distinction. It, it, it's not something that you just dreamt up overnight that, oh, this would be a cool message to, you know, the creative message. It was born out of being on the streets. And, 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 and that's, that's very significant. And while not everybody is on the streets, in a lot of ways, people feel like they're out on the street, not knowing which way to go. Don't, they don't have direction. They're lost at the moment. They, you know, in so many ways. So draw that distinction for us in terms of what was that life truly like? Um, and then I would also like you to just touch on what is it, what goes on in your mind when you're sitting in prison and then coming out of that, so those phases, please. Fantastic. So to go kind of back, so I was in Middlesex University, which is in North London, um, studying management and marketing. You know, I was a young man coming from a Nigerian background. My mom wanted me to become a doctor, lawyer or pharmacist. But of course, I mean, I didn't know what that meant in that sense. So I studied management and marketing at the time. Um, university was an open, open moment for me. I mean, being born and raised in East London. So London has four parts, North London, South London, East London, West London. All my friends were black. But when I got to university, I had white friends, Chinese friends, Indian friends. So it was a real awakening. Unfortunately, when I got to the second year, um, at the time, my, I was the only one out of my friends from Hackney that was at university. And so I ended up dropping out and then begin living a lifestyle, you know, of not really gangs, but young men on the streets of East London or the streets of London up to no good. Um, I wasn't really a bad boy. I was just a young man with no dream, no direction, no purpose. Of course, no father, no father figure. Then I ended up going into prison. You know, I'm eternally grateful. I thank God that it wasn't serious. It wasn't, you know, anything to do with sex, drugs, violence, murder, nothing like that. It was just fighting. And so it was the first time I went, it was a shock. I mean, at worst, I thought I was going to get like, you know, community service or a rap, a rap on the fist because it wasn't really, a, but because there's quite a few people involved. And um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a shock to my system. I was like, hold on a minute. I mean, I'm a university student. I mean, I'm not really a bad boy. So, but, and I will never glorify prison, of course, but I remember being in prison and honestly, it sounds a bit weird, but it was fun. I will never forget. Um, there was a prison guard. <laughs> I know it sounds, it sounds, you know, um, please note to the listeners around the world, I'm not glorifying it in any shape or form, but I remember a prison guard saying to me, and they call you by your surname. So it was like, Anyado, I've been watching you for the last few weeks. Why are you always happy? And I was like, sorry? He said, yeah, you're always happy. You're always laughing. You're always cracking jokes. What is it? And I said, like, I don't know. And it made me think like, I'm in prison and I'm just happy, it's whatever. You're, you're going home at the end of every day, but you don't seem to be happy like I am happy. And that was, awake, that was awakening. In prison, I would read so many books. I remember one particular time I would read like, I'll get like six newspapers. I'd read three books a week. And a prison officer, another one said to me, 
and Yardo, you're not meant to be in here, you know? And I was like, because you don't hear them say that. And I was like, wow, I, you know? And so I came out, but again, nothing really changed. I was still living that street life. Then I went back again. And the second time I vowed I would never go back because it was the conditions was was not inhuman, but it was, it was bad. I mean, there's certain prisons in some parts of Africa, in America, even in the north of England, you wouldn't want to go to. But the particular prison I went to was in London. It, excuse me, it was horrible. It, it was it was really, really horrible. And I, and I said, like, nah, I can't, I can't be going back there. And at that time, there was a lot of, like, gang... I wasn't really involved in it, but I was kind of... I had main enemies there. So I was very cautious in prison, knowing that, okay, I've got some enemies of enemies in here that, you know, it, it, it can be very dangerous. So I had to be more, 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 more careful. And I, and I think at that time, funny enough, my... The first time I was in prison, the, my friends, quote unquote, that I was in prison with, some of them, one of them, or they, they ended up nearly shooting me dead. So the second time I was in prison, I was with their, with their, with their, with their people. So it was like I was very cautious that this time now I'm surrounded by a real enemy. So it was I came out again, and again I didn't have no purpose. All I know, I want to become a counselor, but I was fed up of the street life. I was fed up of the shootouts. I was fed up of going to prison. I was fed up of living that life, that empty life that. You know, my own my own cousins turned on me. My own friends tried to kill me. It was like, oh my gosh, what's going on, man? Is is this a movie? Is this Scarface? Is this The Godfather? You know, and but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to come out. I was just, and you know, I wasn't depressed or anything like that. But I was just fed up. I just knew in my heart that I'm I'm better than this. I, I know mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, but I just knew that nah, there, there's something. As Labby Safi said, there's something inside so strong. <laughs> <laughs> So what helped you see or, or, or make this shift? Was there someone, something? W- what happened that that yeah. shifted you? Mm. So um, cut a long story short for that part, but I don't want to say too much, but yeah, so my cousins, they kind of, dis- not kind of, they deserted me because I was helping them out for a particular year, living in a house, helping them pay the rent. Next thing they knew, Oni did do nothing for me, get out of the house. I was like, uh? So I ended up being homeless living in a hotel for three days, not a nice hotel. My skin after two days was just went, and I said, look, enough is enough, man. I can't be living like some whatever. So I remember it was in Essex, which is outside of London, driving into London, say, okay, let me go to church. And it's quite ironic, even though I was a quote unquote bad boy or street guy, sometimes if I wasn't drunk or hungover or whatever, I would go to church. So that morning I said, look, I don't know where else to turn. I don't know what else to do, but I can't be living like this, no way. So I ended up, ended up, you know, you know, driving and end up going to a church. I'm just sitting down there. And I remember, I'll never forget the pastor said, he said, be a warrior, never give up. And I'm sitting down listening. I'm thinking, this man's talking to me here, you know, because like, all right, you know what I mean? So it was just, it was a, it was a supernatural that day, the 2nd of November, I gave my life to Christ, became a born again Christian. And then it was interesting. I found a community. I found a quote unquote family. I mean, I had my mom and my sister, but I wasn't in good relationships with my mom. But then I realized that, wow, I've got a, a whole new community now. And so it was interesting before I knew it. I mean, I was doing like one service, like a seven o'clock service. Within three months, I was doing a seven o'clock service, nine o'clock service, 11 o'clock service, one o'clock service, evening service. All Sunday, I was there all day because I found my purpose. I found a reason for living. I found love. I found a family, quote unquote. And then from then, of course, I still want to become a counsellor. 
and being in that community with newfound friends, I had to better myself because I can't just be a layabout. I went back to college. Um, then again, my pastor said something. He said, whatever you do in life, always network. I was like, wow, okay. So I, I Googled um, counseling networking events, but life coaching came up instead. So I said, okay, let me go to a, I, done a, I went to a two day, um, what do you call it? A two day, like um, an opening. So they tell you about life coaching, what it costs, what it is, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, at the end of the two days, they sell you the program. And the cheapest program, I think was 4,000 pounds. At the time, I didn't have four pounds to my name. So I took a step of faith, um, opened my first business, Within six months, my first video actually was on YouTube. I'd done a workshop, Your Time Is Now, um, under 23 special. And then from then, it was an evolution of my gifts, my talents, my passion. Came up with a brand of distinction. And I think by 2015 odd, it became cutting edge distinction. And then from then, it was literally, you know, I began doing the educational field, schools, colleges, universities, began speaking internationally. And then, then by 2017, 18, I knew the shift is coming. So I shifted my brand message, my value to become now more global leadership distinction. So now I'm a global leadership um, speaker, futurist and corporate trainer. And my legacy is titled From Detention to Distinction. So in 2014, I done a TEDx. Um, and it was interesting, Carmen. I was going to call it From Victim to Visionary, From Lifeless to Life Cult, and From the Doldrums to Distinction. But of course, that's too long. And I just thinking, okay, what can I call my TED Talks? And it was just literally from detention to distinction and the rest is history. Mm. What an incredible story and, and powerful words, detention to distinction. I mean, the, you know, you, you went absolutely with the right messaging there because it's, it's strong, it's honest, it's, it's, it, there's a rawness in it. Um, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for those stories because life is not all pretty. Life is not for sissies, that's for sure. And and when we have these stories, we I can just see I can just see how that story became. You named your your book Doorway to Distinction <laughs> <laughs> became the doorway, and. Um, Incredible that you've had the courage to actually, because so many people would have actually tried to bury that story, but you've actually created that as a bedrock. And um, uh, yeah, that, that takes great courage. So what would you say, Oni, is the, one of the, the great lessons that, that you carry with you in your heart from, from having made this gigantic leap from street life to where you are now. You know, what, what's, what's a lesson that comes to mind that's really important for you? Hmm. Wow. Every general, every commander has to go through war. Every general, every commander has to go through war. Has to. Mm. So, okay, so now a young person might be listening to that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if, if someone had said that to you before, um, yeah, I'm just wondering how, yes, and I totally get you and, and, and I hear you and I've had this kind of conversation with one of my clients actually asked me about her staff member. She said, 
you know, he's come from privilege. I'm not sure that he can become a good leader because he's not understood struggle. And, 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 and you, you're kind of saying the same thing. So what happens with the person who's kind of had a sort of mediocre, maybe it's not cushy or privilege, but it's, it's kind of not been war. Do you think that they can still become a general of distinction? Yes, certainly. Um, and so when I'm talking about war, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, World War Five or whatever. I'm talking about yeah. war against yourself, war uh-huh. against your people, yeah. war against okay. society, war against doubt, war against mediocrity. Okay. So a person that's born in quote-unquote privilege, they have to realise, and so from one of my insights on Katia's leadership, I said that distinction in leadership isn't about me, myself, and I. Distinction in leadership is about him, her, and them. Mm. Distinction in leadership isn't about me, myself, and I. Unfortunately, society makes us very self-centered. Gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. If your name is Jimmy, I'm not talking about you. Please, no offense taken or given. So <laughs> society makes us very self-centered. It's all about me, my house, my car, my marriage, my money, my, 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 my. But the essence of Katia's leadership is to be selfless, serving with your vision, serving with your values, serving with your voice. So, I mean, I went from detention to distinction, so obviously, Someone can go from privilege to promotion or privilege to positional leadership. <laughs> they have to realize yeah. <laughs> it's about being selfless. And it's not about me, myself, and I, but rather it's about him, her, and them. And who is them? Those that are in the shadows, fearful of coming out. Those who are in the shadows don't believe in themselves. Those in the shadow are happy in the comfort zone. Those mm. in the shadow are very self-selfless. Me, 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 me. Mm. Okay great distinction there in terms of what the war is that you're talking about and hell there is the greatest raging war within us i think that is the greatest war we fight on this planet isn't it yes um so when you made this transition when, when, when i mean you you found your community in the church you started reading and doing these amazing things um what what for you was one of the greatest barriers where as you found your feet and, and, and you know, it's not staying, staying in the game because you know you got into the game. You've got to stay the game now. What, what would you say was one of the greatest barriers? <laughs> Definitely 100%, a million percent, 10 billion percent finances, the okay. money side of it. Mm. I mean, that, that one is, is and not, not so much a lack of money, but having the money to, you know, have that freedom of it and then not trying to, yeah, definitely the financial side of it. Oh. But I mean, that, that, that's made me who I am today. But yeah, the, the financial side of it, it was difficult. Yeah, it was, it was really, it was, it was really difficult. Mm. So, so, and, and it's, it's difficult in the sense of because you become obsessive with trying to attain it or achieve it or earn it or, um, or just because it, everything becomes a struggle if you don't have it. Um, what, what was it for you? Yeah, the, the last part, definitely the, 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 the struggle of not even having the basic, you know, day-to-day kind of thing. I mean, there was a times when even though I'm in the UK, I've been looking for a job or whatever, I couldn't afford 20-piece spaghetti. But that, I suppose that made me resilient. Um, Carmen, I remember one time I had, um, I was so hungry, man. I didn't have nothing in my house. So I was looking around. I, I found like 3P in my house. 
the English currency. I had 18 pence. I'm not sure what the equivalent is in Mauritius, but 18 pence. I had to go to my building society and ask for 18p. And I never get the man, I mean, the woman that served me, she was like, how much? I said, 18p. So less than a dollar, you might as well say, like, you know, 70 cents or whatever. I was like, 18p, please. She goes, she was looking at me like, really? I was like, yeah, really, I'm hungry, please. You know what I mean? I need to go to Tesco, the supermarket and buy. So for, that, that was the, was the, was the biggest barrier. Because I, when I look back now, there's certain things I couldn't do at the time when I needed to do. But then when I'm looking back in hindsight and, and realizing that what I couldn't do then maybe wasn't necessarily the right time. Because now I'm, I can, I'm doing it now and even more so. But yeah, the biggest barrier, excuse me, was the, fin- all the finances. But I mean, after a while, I got a job in the church anyway. I became a, um, what was that, a marketing assistant or something like that. So that kind of, that kind of helped because, you know, whatever happens, if I'm going to publish a book, I need money. Self-publish a book, I need money, you know, to do, to, you know, to, to go out and speak. I need to dress up in a way. So yeah, at one stage, definitely 100% in the financial side of it, not having enough. So in those moments when finances are such a barrier, how important is creative distinction then? A hundred percent. I learned how to save. I learned how to, you know, um, manage. I learned how to cook and be satisfied and not be hungry. (laughs) So it's it's, it's very important. You know, I look back and laugh now in hindsight. And I suppose that made me who I am today because you know, I mean, in, in, in my pain, in my purpose, integrity was born, you mm. know, in, integrity had to be born because if not, what happens when I become a multimillionaire? Am I going to become arrogant and prideful or I'm going to remember where I actually came from and realize the journey, you know, I didn't get here by luck or by chance or by privilege. It was sheer smart work, grace and hard work. Hmm. I want to read one of your quotes. <laughs> okay. Our deep-rooted fear is not we are average, but our deepest fear is we are people of excellence. It's our distinction, not mediocrity, that really frightens us. You may ask yourself how I become a person of distinction. The answer lies in the fact that you were not created to blend in, but rather you were created to stand out and be a blessing to your generation. So what do you think there's merit to us becoming a person of distinction moving through this kind of transition that you made? What do you think is grouping people in so much fear about moving into that space? Hmm. Wow, Carmen, even just listen to that quote, and I remember I penned it in 2011, 12, it's interesting that it's it's still relevant in 2021. It's, it's it's you actually made me think. I was like, did I actually write that? Like, wow! Like, it's 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 the fear of the unknown. It's it's the really it's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the new. It's the fear of the next level. But I've always asked people, how can you be fear scared of something you haven't seen yet, or how can you be scared of something that you haven't um you haven't grabbed yet? And unfortunately, you know. I mean, particularly growing up in London, that generation, even, even, I mean, I've done quite a lot of work in schools. I noticed that even teachers would, would, if you're too bright or too confident, they'll try and limit your, you know, and sometimes that's instilled in us. I'm coming from a, 
uh, a Nigerian background, you know, my mum and dad did the best in the world, but it was like, my mum was like, be a doctor, lawyer, or pharmacist. It was like, and that was a generation of Nigerians or West Africans. And so they will limit your potential that if you don't become a doctor, lawyer, pharmacist, you can't be successful, even though they're successful doctor, lawyer, and pharmacist. So it's a combination of society, of, of family upbringing, and the fear of the unknown. <laughs> the fear of the unknown. But how can you be a fear of unknown when you haven't seen it, you don't even believe it, or you haven't touched it? Mm. I mean, you, you threw yourself totally into that unknown Yet you had such a driver, you'd seen the other side of it. So you went, you went for gold um, away yeah. from, from that pain that you were experiencing. And I think that's, that's coming back to your, the, the war that you're speaking about is, it seems like we've been, we've been molded in such a way that we, we reach levels of pain, you know, which then catapults us to that place of distinction, or at least striving towards it. Um, there, there's another uh, brilliant, your quotes are, are, are brilliant. Such a big fear as well is, is fear of competition. So it's the unknown and then it's competition. So that a quote from your book, there is no room for competition on the journey to excellence. When you walk in distinction, even the photocopying machine can't replicate your unique quality. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. I actually wrote that. My gosh. It's, that's, wow. And by the way, Carmen, I'm looking forward to my five-star review on Amazon, by the way. So, you know, I'll just put it out there. Wow. Yeah. Even, even the photocopying machine can't replicate. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. As I said, I mean, coming into my industry, particularly in my community where I was and how I developed, Competition was, it was too obvious that everyone was competing with everyone for the same spot. So it's like when you find your distinction in your distinction. So I knew that my distinction in my distinctions, I'm not going to call myself a motivational speaker, nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not going to quote anyone, but rather I'm going to be quoted. When you find your distinction in your distinction, you're at peace. Yes, you recognize other speakers or other coaches, but you embrace them, you celebrate them, you learn from them, but you're not in competition because you're in, you found your distinction in your distinction. And once you do that, the number one person you have to beat is yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, because people always ask me, oh, you know, you know, not now, but you know, a few years back, oh, who's your competition? I was like, I'm not I'm not just in business, I'm in legacy. <laughs> and when you're in legacy, you, you can't compete with anyone because it's more than business, it's more than making money, it's more than bringing value, it's the legacy. I'm living my legacy and leaving my legacy. And so when I found my distinction in my distinction, and the photocopy machine has to now photocopy me and use me as a reference point. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, <clears throat> it brings home the truth of being authentic because that's the only place we're going to find our true distinction is yes. being so tr truly true to self because if you are, well, who, who can compete with that? So um, <laughs> when I saw that, that quote, I thought, well, I have to use that one. That, that's brilliant. <laughs> I, the, the, the other one as well, uh, which is really stood out for me, was that if average is, poison, is a poison, distinction is the remedy. Yes, um, it is. That, that, that's really poignant. So 
help us a little when you've studied this area if so many people have enormous potential but they haven't maybe it's not even about you know the fear of the unknown or competition maybe they just don't know what the area of distinction is is there a few tips that people can <clears throat> you can share for people to start narrowing it down to identify what that specific area is yes definitely most definitely so in 2015 i'm sure the viewers um, the listeners are saying hold on it keeps going back to the time because I realized that's when I put the work in for the 2020s and beyond. So 2015, I, I created a concept, a GTP concept, your gifts, your talents, and your passion. So your gift is something you're naturally good at. I can't draw, but there's some people that can naturally draw and you can make a professional out of it. You could be a town planner, et cetera, et cetera. So your gifts, something you can naturally do, you know, um, so I can't play a musical instrument. I remember in secondary school, a friend of mine, he was a fantastic drummer. And now he's a professional global drummer. He drums around the world. So it's your gift, something you, and you have to, I mean, I don't listen to rap music anymore, but Tupac said it best, even a genius asks his questions. So as an individual, you now have to, after watching this and hearing myself in common, you have to say, okay, what's my gift? What, am I, what can I naturally do? So your gift, your talent is an evolution of your gifts. So. I've, I've, I realized, looking back at my life, I've always been a good communicator. I've always been a people person. But my talent now was developed as being a speaker, a coach, a trainer, because I wanted to become a counselor. And my passion, you have to, every, every human being's got a passion. My passion, when I look back in hindsight, and even in foresight and farsight, is people. I've always been a people person. I've always been a, had the gift of the gap. I've always been a good speaker. I've always been a speaker. So, so my gifts, naturally what I can do, which was literally my, my best subject in school was drama. So I was very outgoing. And so that's my gift. I was always liked writing. I always liked speaking. My talent now is an evolution of my gifts and combine that with your passion. That's your, that's your vision. So to say that's your, some people are fantastic with numbers. Some people are really good at calculating numbers. So you can be an accountant, you could be a financial advisor, so many things. So your GTP, your gifts, your talents, and your passion. And you have to ask yourself a question. What am I good at? If, if whoever came and said, hey, you could do five jobs in the world, what, what would the five jobs you would do? You list them and you say, okay, how does my gifts, my talents, and my passion now tie into each one? And before you know it, you broke it down into two or three jobs. And then there you have your, your focus, your focus, your focus. It's no accident. I always wanted to become a counselor. And now I'm still believe I'm still counseling people through my words of distinction and my strategy of cutting edge leadership. So your gifts, your talents, and your passion. Mm, thank you for making it so practical. Um, that, that's a nice cues for us to start with. You also say that you believe if you build a brand and Knowing you, it would be not any brand, a brand of distinction. <laughs> the market will come. Yes. So, so tell us a, lot, a bit more about that. Fantastic. About so in 2016, now let's be specific, I knew by revelation that a shift is coming. I knew, of course, I didn't know it was coronavirus, but I just knew I sent something was coming. November 2019, I said a global recession is coming. I put it in a, I'm like eight WhatsApp groups. 
I put it in a WhatsApp group. So between 16 and 18, I knew that in here in the UK, every time they cut the budget, they always cut money in education. So I work, I do a lot of workshops in schools and all that. So I knew that I had to pivot. So for three or two years, for about two or three years, I began building a brand for a global market, a global audience. And that global audience obviously would be management, leaders, and organizations. So I built a, I built a brand. And the first, built, the first brand I built was for young people. You know, I'm a speaker, keynote speaker, working with young people. Knowing that a shift is coming, I had to now build on that platform and build my brand again for my future market, which was organizations, managers, and leaders. So when I built a brand and the market will come, now organization, there's, there's leadership problems. There's um, disruptions. Now organization and management, they're looking for tangible solutions, how we can lead in the next 10, 15, 20 years. So who's, who's going to be one of the people they're going to call? It's myself. Because I knew I had to now build the brand for my future market. I couldn't build a brand for schools and universities because they've got no money and my capacity has already gone past that level. So I now had to build a brand for the future market, which is the now market, which is organizations and managers, knowing that organizations now more than ever before need tangible solutions. So build a brand and the market will come because they're not, what are they coming to? They're coming to my vision, my values and my voice. So I had to create the three Vs of organizational branding. So I'm looking from the inside out and from the outside in. So when you build a brand for the market to come, you're building your brand for yourself, but you're also building a brand for your future market, which is the now market. Yes. So it also re requires that you are very conscious of what is going on and ear close to the ground, looking for those opportunities that are to come. And you, you, you kind of get in ahead of the curve to, to, yes. to build that. And then if you do have a lucky, now you have a brand, it's about, okay, so what's that next wave of problem that you would solve for this particular market that you're in? Um, There's another quote. So you said the truth about excellence is that it cannot lie. <laughs> uh, I love that because what we need so much more of in, on our <laughs> planet is more standards of truth and excellence. <laughs> How different would our world be if we just did not tolerate anything but truth and excellence? Yeah, mm -hmm. De definitely Africa would change. Mm -hmm. Africa would change as a, as a continent and as individual countries. It, would, it literally would change. But as you said, we have, there's no excellence and there's no truth in it. And the, com the lack of that is just mediocrity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're seeing that. We're seeing that. We're even seeing that with, unfortunately now, in the current climate we're in, particularly my government or the UK government, the lack of truth, integrity, and excellence. It's just one message now, one message now, but there's no clarity, there's no, you know, there's no, there's no distinction, it's, it's, it's dangerous. So when I'm talking about excellence, and I love how you mentioned truth, and I love what you actually said, because now you're making me think, it's not just about doing things correctly, you know, make sure there's no spelling mistake, that's important, but I'm, as you mentioned, it's also about truth, which is integrity, which is making sure things are done in a correct manner, in a correct order. What do you think it means? We need. I know it's a bit of a philosophical um, 
question, but what do you think as a man who thinks about distinction, we need to get our more people into this bracket of truth and excellence and, and raising the bar. Yeah, it's, it's every 10 years or every 15 years, there's always some kind of movement. It's always a kind of, of, of a push. So I think me, myself, and many others now are joining that, that, that new wave of let's do things different. Let's do things with truth, with integrity, with excellence. Let's become more solution-based rather than problem. Let's become more solution-based rather than problems and problems and problems. So I, th I think I've stuck up the, band the baton, so let me run with it, and now I'm passing it to other people. It's, it's just a movement that's surely going to get mm. bigger that after a while it becomes a way of life. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so it's it like it's a... Um, solution movements we need more movements that are about solutions and moving and taking up this change maker baton and 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 us influencing each other is what i'm, I'm hearing you say um yes there, there, there's another quote of yours that that i love as well become so disciplined that even your distractions become focused <laughs> yes, yes wow yeah <laughs> yeah that one um Oh my God, we're living in a time, it's the era of creative distinction, but more so than ever before, there's distractions, distractions, distractions. I mean, your mobile, a mobile phone is a distraction if we're not careful. So when you become so focused and so disciplined that even the very thing that was meant to distract you now becomes a source of discipline, dedication, and, and discernment. So um, yeah, that was one. One of my ones that every time you read it to me, my court, I just chuckle inside. I'm like, what did I actually write that? Well, I did write that. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, does the, the alliteration just like rolls off your, you're so used to, you're so schooled in it or you've schooled yourself in it that, um, what did you say? Discernment. Um, Discernment, um, um, dedication and discipline. <laughs> Yeah, wow. I mean, it just rolls off your, your, your tongue. It's, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> um, so what do you do to, to make your, your distractions be, you know, focused? What do you do to stay focused? Is there something that you have learned to, to help you with that? Yeah, it's a very fantastic question. Definitely seeing the end goal, the end vision of it, the mm -hmm. end goal, the end objective, knowing that if I, if I, if I remain distracted or if I become distracted, that end goal will take longer to achieve than what I wanted to. So, of course, we're all humans, we can get distracted, but I always look at the end goal, the end goal, and where I am is not where I'm meant to be. There's always a next level and a next level, and I can't get there by being so distracted or making distractions a way of life. So, yeah, I focus on the end goal, remind myself that where I've come from, that this is not the next level, this is not the level, and it's definitely the next level to come and, and, and I love it because it, it, I challenge myself I know when to rest but at the same time I know when to focus so yeah mm. so you wrote another book around targets right yes yes so my first book hitting the target a 12-month guide to distinction and that was um, 2011 and in 2012 the doorway to distinction mm. so tell us how important or give us a little bit of your thoughts around having these goals and, and, and having those, those targets and, and why it's not just a, just like a list-making exercise, 
but but the importance of of those clear targets yes it's it's so 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 important particularly nowadays anyway that you have something that you're aiming for whether it's a short-term mid-term long-term goal it, it gives you that excitement that joy that discipline that focus to say hey this is my goal for the day for the week for the month and then you take baby steps to achieve it and, and it, build, it, it builds your resilience, it builds your character, it builds your discernment, it builds your understanding, and it makes you a, a more complete leader. So goals are so, so important, particularly when you write them down. And even if you've got a five-year goal for, say, 20, what we now, 2021, for 2026, you can go to the future and say, hey, by 2025, if all things are equal, I would have achieved that. So every day you're, you're going step by step, even if you fall down or even if you make a mistake or even if things are not working out, remember, hey, there's a future goal I need to achieve. Stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. Because at the time I knew that I'm going to be speaking around the world. I knew it, but where I was, I was living at my mom's house. I didn't have no money, but that was a future goal. So I had to stay focused every day, every day, do something to achieve, get towards that goal. And now I'm here. So yeah, goals are so important. It gives you that sense of fulfillment as well. Where you can pat yourself on the back and say, hey, today I achieved this. Last month I achieved that. Next year I'm looking to achieve this. It gives you that sense of fulfillment. And, and how, is there a particular way that you prefer to do this? Do you write it? Do you type it? Do you, how often works for you, for instance? Yeah, so it's a complex, it's a very good question. So different strokes of different folks. I, I write it sometimes, but I've got one of them brains where I know that, for example, today's Tuesday. Tuesday, these are the three goals I have to achieve, or four goals, whatever the goals are, and I just aim for it and I hit it and I, and I hit my target. So I, I, once in a while, I do write it, but I'm more for long-term or mid-term goals, but short-term goals, I've got one of them brains where I know the night before, Tuesday, I know I've got to achieve, let's do it. Okay, so you literally make uh, setting daily goals for yourself. Dep 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 it depends, isn't it? It depends. It depends mm -hmm. what the circumstance is what needs to be done. Sometimes I don't achieve, I don't have no goals to achieve, so to say, but sometimes I learn something new and that's a goal I didn't need to write, but I've achieved. So yeah, yeah. Okay. What have you found? So, so you're talking about goals because those are giving you compelling reasons. But if you look to, to your, what is the, that next big thing that you would love to, um see yourself achieving and 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 what what's because that's going to give you the compelling reason to take it to that next level of because even within a distinction there's a next level so <laughs> what what does that look like for you you know what 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 would you love to see yeah so when you know it's happening now slowly but surely but when people say we're looking for a global leadership speaker we're looking for a corporate trainer we're looking for a futurist on Ian Yardo so you, you put yourself into the futurist bucket as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that, that, that was by <laughs> by chance, may I say, that was just, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Because someone had said to me, you've got an eye for the future, haven't you? And I was like, huh? So I done my investigations and I realized, and then, you know, thankfully there's proof and evidence of me, of my role as a futurist. So it's not like, oh, I reckon, I think mm -hmm. the evidence yes. trails there. So, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Give us an idea on you from, from what you, your thoughts, what you read. What, what is it that we should, maybe two things. 
uh, and I know I did ask you this right at the beginning, but if we look to the future and, and like this, just the next few years, because things are changing so rapidly, um, what should we prepare ourselves for, do you think? Um, the greatest shift that you, get, you see is coming that we should prepare ourselves for. A hundred percent, more than ever before, it's going to be more, it's going to be more, more wealth. I don't want to say millionaires, millionaires might not mean that much these days and age anyway, but it's going to be more, yeah, let me say it, more multimillionaires rising up because they're the ones that's going to be bring global solution. And that global solution will be on a national and a local level. So we're going to see more value-driven individuals, organizations rising up. And from them, we're going to see more wealth. I think the middle class is going to disappear in the next 10 years, personally. So we're going to have the wealthy, and unfortunately, we're going to have the poor. But the wealthy, some of them are going to be unrecognizable. Where did you come from? Where was you? Well, I've been doing it for the last 10, 15 years. So definitely, we're going to see a, a shift in in, in, the, in the wealth and the wealth is going to be going to the people that provide or institutions that provide even more solutions. Certainly we're going to see more, more, I see more tech. I don't use the word giants, but more tech solutions coming out than ever before. So yeah, we've got Facebook, Amazon, Google, but we're going to see more on a local, national and global level. So two shifts, wealth and tech. Mm. So what does that mean for the, the small business, the one-man show, the entrepreneur? You know, how do they gear themselves for this big shift if, they, if they're not in tech? And, uh, you know, yeah, so what, what would you say? What, what kind of advice would you give them? Begin to position yourself for your future market because that's what I've done. So who, whoever your market is now, who, who could possibly be your future market? So begin to look, you know, see, okay, okay. If I'm if I'm not in tech, I'm a I'm a I'm selling clothes in wherever in London. Okay, is it can it is it, can it only be clothes that you're selling? What else can you sell specifically? You may only sell clothes for toddlers now, and you may brand it in a way where you've now got your own distinction in your distinction. So where you generalize you're selling clothes now specifically, you can say I'm only going to sell clothes for toddlers. So you've already, you've already opened up a new market for yourself. Because remember, before coronavirus, my main focus was, you know, education field, doing schools, colleges, universities. But when I saw a shift was coming, I said, okay, I'm still going to become a speaker. Let me now bring global solutions. And here I am now. So for example, if someone's selling a, a one-man show, a one-woman show selling clothes, you can say, let me become even more specific. So I think the opportunities and possibilities are out there, but obviously you need to get a good coach like myself or Carmen that can even guide you to the next level. So I'm not saying you have to leave your industry, but in your industry, think about what else you can serve, what else you can create for a particular market. Mm. Yes, that it's my the micro niche that you're speaking about and, and then thinking ahead to, and, and I mean, everything you've spoken about, it's, it's the distinction. In this overcrowded market, the only way that you're actually going to move forward and, and stay in the game is, is certainly value. Oh, definitely, absolutely value. And, and then delivering it in a way that is with distinction. So everything yeah. you've spoken about is, is 
would help the no matter what business size business you're in actually whether it's small or, or mega business the value yeah. and the distinction is going to be there and, and and thinking ahead in terms of how you can serve your your, your future customer maybe it's not even your just your current customer um what would you say to date is your most cherished success wow only one or can I have like 25? Because you know how to speak. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a few. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'll give three. So and I'll give it in a particular order. So the first one would be self-publishing my first book. Yeah, that was a real, a real next level, a real door opener, a real eye opener, a real achievement. That was, um, yeah. So that was 2012. So that was my first one. And two, my second one was doing a TED Talks from Detention to Distinction. That really, can I say, established me as a recognized speaker in my sphere. That was really an eye-opener. That The amount of recognition and respect I got was quite humbling and quite strategic too. And that gave me even more confidence. And in three, again, that was in 2014, I think, my memory serves me right, had my first ever international speaking engagement and that was a youth conference in Canada and that was an eye-opener that was like mm -hmm. wow at the time I was living at my mom's house I literally didn't have a lot of money but they paid for me to go out you know they drove me around of course they <laughs> paid me and being in another country I mean I traveled before that but as a first international speaking engagement yeah so publishing my self-publishing my first book uh, my TED Talks and my first ever international talk as a speaker. Mm. So what reason would you give to someone sitting on the fence where they have that potential and all these fears are still coming up and, um, you know, the unknown is, is playing around in, in their minds? What reason would you give to just go for it? Get off the fence, go for distinction. What are, what are those reasons, those big reasons? One, because you've got the potential to do it. Um, a firework's not a firework until you light it. You know, I think in, particularly in the UK, they celebrate whatever reason, Guy Fawkes night. But you can spend a thousand dollars or a thousand pounds on fireworks until you light it, it's not a firework. Two, if your individual sits on that fence, the way things are going, a big company will come, knock down the fence and build buildings. <laughs> so you've got, you've got no sits, um, fence to sit on. Three, there's nothing better than a fulfilled life. Now, a fulfilled life, not, you're not going to become a multimillionaire or be world famous. You may just be serving your community as well as serving the world. But that comes from that sense of fulfillment. And four, is that you're living your legacy and leaving your legacy and there's every opportunity to inspire other people to now live their legacy and leave their legacy too. Mm. So there we go. Let's raise the bar. Let's go for distinction. Why, why settle for, for anything less when, yes. when there's, it's, 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 worth, it's worth what we have to put, um, what we have to, the, the steps we have to go through, the journey, um, it's so worth it because it, it just puts you into a completely different league, actually, when you're thinking like that.
And um, like you so beautifully said, there is no competition there as such except for yourself when when you're in that in that league. Um, yeah, and then and then there's about then it's about um, winning that constant battle with self. Um, but there's yeah. so many beautiful resources and people and and uh, around us to help us with with that. So no reason to to not go for being a person of distinction or community or, 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 or organization. So thank you so much, Ani, for for what you've shared with us today and and for raising the bar so high for yourself and not settling <laughs> so that you can bring this message to us. It, it, it's so such a testimony of what is possible, which, which is, is beautiful inspiration. One last question, if you could share a, a really deeply meaningful message with the world, born out of your distinct experiences, what would you want to share? Fantastic. Simply start local, think global, and constantly raise the bar of excellence. Start local, think global, and constantly raise the bar of excellence. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending the time, to investing the time. Um, to, to be here on BWB and sharing your experiences so that we can learn from it and, and spread the message. Thank you so much for being a, uh, a person of distinction. Thank you, Oni. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, and thank you for being a platform for people like myself to share, to sow and to serve. So, I mean, I don't take what you're doing for lightly. You're, you know, you're, you're making global, local, national and, and global impact. So thank you, Carmen, for for, for being a platform, for being a shoulder that many can stand on to see new opportunities and possibilities. So, you know, I, I, I commend and I really salute your distinction mm. and what you're doing around the world. So thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure and thank you. Um, and to every single one of you that have shared this, this time with us, be a warrior. Tap into the warrior within and 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 never give up on yourself because there's an incredible there's gifts and talents um, waiting just to be explored and unleashed and no matter what the circumstances no matter how tough it gets no matter how many times maybe you've fallen down or failed or been ridiculed or criticized it doesn't matter there there's a place for you and it's for you to tap in, tap in deeper than you ever have because the world needs you. The world needs more of us raising the bar to become people of distinction so that we can move our, our species forward, humanity forward and um, save our planet and uh, secure a beautiful future. So thank you for being with us and until next time, lots of love.